So hi everybody, welcome back. Um, today we have Dr. Sharad Davla with us, who's a sociologist based in Hyderabad. Uh, he's been a professor at the IIM Bangalore and a sociologist for the last twenty years. He's um, the coordinator for the India Network for Basic Income and the vice president for uh, the Global uh, Basic Income Earth Network. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Sharad ji, for joining us. Thank you, thank you, Keshav. Lovely having seen you after a long time. It's a real pleasure to have you on board. Yeah. So yeah. I thought um, we could start with uh, if you could tell our audience about the concept of basic income and um, and maybe your journey towards it and how you landed up here. Yeah, I mean it, it goes by several names. I think the most popular name in India is universal basic income. It's basically the idea is that every citizen. And I should say citizen. I should say every normal resident, because there are also there could be people who are not citizens. Yeah. So every normal resident of a particular territory, which we have called nations and all that, uh, should be entitled to a certain minimum income unconditionally. Periodically, so there are five important, very important characteristics uh, because there are several things are being called basic income. They may be, may not be. So most important is it is universal, which means that everybody gets it. Rich, poor, man, woman, able, super able, disabled, all everybody. Okay, it's uh, periodic. Usually in urban areas, we understand periodic means not weekly but monthly. As opposed to, um, as opposed to, uh, one-time grant in a year, or twice a year, things like that, you know. And uh, universal, as opposed to targeting, saying that only the poor will get it, or only these guys will get it, or only the senior citizens will get it. So that's called targeting. So this is universal, not target, not never targeted. And the third is it's individual as opposed to household. So normally all the benefits that are given are to the entire household, whereas this is individual means every man, every woman and every child will get this money. And it is uh, it's only cash and not any smart card or any coupon or any voucher or, or discount, things like that. It has to be hard cash, which you normally use in the economy and not any special currency which will be applicable only in this kind of shops and that kind of shops. You know, sometimes some countries do it like to stimulate certain sectors or to promote and encourage certain sectors. That is the fourth one. It's only cash. And finally, the most important one and the real cutting edge of this concept is it's unconditional. No conditions at all that it will be for a period of three years. And after that, we will re review your performance whether you will be using it properly or not, nothing like that. It is completely unconditional. And some people add uh, one or two other uh, characteristics, but it's, it's kind of not, not uh, we have not taken it on board as official definition of BN. Uh, as it's, it's, a, it's a right and not a scheme, which means that uh, people have a legal right, it is, which means it's non-withdrawable. Like, for example, parties change and then say, this is crap, you can't remove it. Like our National Food Security is an act. NREGA is an act. They're all legal rights. 
unless you completely demolish them or repeal them, whatever. So those are the things that are people normally add in Europe. They also add that it should be high enough and all that. But uh, that is there, those are people are all adding uh, in many places. But then these five are the most important characteristics of this concept. So that's that's the basic definition of it. It's not that others are all corrupt versions, but they are like could be steps towards the final goal. Right. So how did how did you personally get involved in this? I mean, uh... okay. Um, see, after I quit my job in IAM, I wanted to go to the voluntary sector and I wanted to work in the rural areas. So that's why I came across uh, uh, SEVA, Self-Employed Women's Association, and I was uh, I got an opportunity to evaluate one of their programs in uh, Madhya Pradesh. So I went there. Then they said that after the evaluation, they said that, can you help us to continue to research part and then a little bit of strategy and all that. I said, fine, um, I will definitely do so. That's how I started way back uh, in 96, 97. Then I, um, in, 1920, in 2010, Seva asked me that, would you like to head a research project, uh, which is related to unconditional cash transfer? And Guy Standing, who was one of the co-founders of BN, uh, has been working with Seva for a long time, actually, doing research projects with them. So he was the principal investigator of the project, and I was the director of the project in terms of... Um, so he's an economist, and I was a sociologist. So we... I mean, initially, I was very skeptical about this idea. You know, this is not a part of our kind of grammar, our grammar of welfare. You know, you never give money. You think that money, I mean, this is what we have learned, all of us have learned that money is fungible. I mean, money can be used for um, paying tuition fees for your child. It can be used to buy a bottle of liquor. Uh, not that bottle of liquor, buying bottle of liquor is bad, but uh, the point is that this is seen as a temptation good in economics and that is seen as a development, a pushing development. So um, uh, I said that, I mean, how, what is the point? You give money, and that's all. Of course, people will be happy. Who will be not happy when they are given money? So what's, what are we testing? What is that we are doing you know, in, a, in a research project? So I was a little skeptical. Uh, but at the same time, I must also add that 20 years of doing evaluations across the world, different countries, I've evaluated development programs. And I used to go on behalf of the donors. So I used to bring back research material and write a report. So I think each time I used to come back from any such field, I used to be a, a little disillusioned, a little disappointed that something somewhere is not working, you know? Something, uh, you know, the NGO becomes the medium, the middle person, and the, mid, the entire, entire program becomes uh, uh, a factor of uh, the integrity of the NGO. And then uh, how well efficiency, so both the commitment and the efficiency of the NGO, and um, you can put it on the spectrum, all these things, you know. So I was always, always wonder whether there were tradi traditional and conventional modes of development, you know, how we want to develop them, how we want to quench their hunger, they. It's always they, and we are the designers of the policy and the programs. And uh, so we are the um, givers and they are the takers. So I was, it, I was very uncomfortable with that 
uh, the, the conventional development program and billions and billions of dollars are spent on that. But this two years of this intense work in the villages has completely really, this was, I'm talking about 2010, 2011, 12, 13. It has completely transformed the way I thought about um, intervention, the way I thought about people, the way I thought about development, I think development in courts. So this, I saw something happening. When you give something unconditionally and leave it to the discretion of people and say that you spend it according to your priorities, you decide what you want to do with this cash. We are not going to tell you that, you know, you grow papayas or you grow something else or you uh, start making uh, solar lights and all kinds of stuff, you know, the development programs. So I said, I mean, there is something really magical about it. And uh, I think that's what we wrote in the book. That's what I've been talking about last several years now, uh, seven, eight years or nearly. So that's how I got introduced to the topic. And I was so convinced, so convinced that uh, I decided to be, I'm, I've been full-time, more than full-time advocate of that ever since, ever since 2014, when we completed the project and brought out a book. I've been very actively involved in both India network and also the global network. So that's the long and short of my journey. So you mentioned um, Seva MP. Um, yeah. I believe that's where the pilot project was, was launched, right? Could you tell us something about that project and how that panned out? Yeah, that was uh, um, in uh, nine villages. It was actually two different projects, two pilots. One was the general villages, caste villages. Um, and uh, then one, one that I think there we gave about 6,000 individuals. We gave money in the villages. And the other pilot was one tribal village, which had about um, 800 or 900 people in that one single village. Uh, the, the durations are different in these two pilots. Now, uh, we gave to rich and poor, we gave to everybody, every single resident of that village was given. Uh, I mean, some of the things that, that I'll guess just top two, three results of that study. One, uh, one was um, uh, here you had... Uh, um, small farmers like Biga Bolte, Ek Biga, Do Biga, Char Biga hai, Panch Biga hai. And uh, so, but then their cultivation does not feed them completely. So, in addition to cultivating, they are also doing wage labor for other, other farmers in the neighboring villages or in the same village. Now, one of the things uh, that came out in this study was that when we gave, we gave for 18 months. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we asked them in the beginning, what is your occupation? How much time do you spend in A, in B, in C? So there are two important components in their occupation profile. They said that 70% uh, of the time, 65% of the time, or 60% we spend as wage laborers and uh, the rest we spend as the cultivators, okay? 
Now, after 18 months, by then they had gone through a couple of cycles of crop cycles. Um, it, it, by the end of the pro project, it actually got reversed. That I'm spending 40% uh, as wage laborer and more as. So in the process, we also saw the livestock really doubling and uh, production and productivity also increasing and it and uh, that was really really quite a striking uh, um, result of this uh, basic income so people when they have a small asset and they have not had capital to put it into that asset they used to go and borrow money to cultivate that land and when they could not borrow they stopped cultivating things like blah 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 it was very so when they had this cash flow they started cultivating. So that's uh, that was one important uh, thing. As I said, livestock increase, which means that in productive assets, you know, you know that Bakri uh, gives, uh, uh, you know, it uh, uh, reproduces twice a year. So you have for two years, which means that, you know, you can just exponential growth of Bakri's. You will have all over Bakri's all over. And Bakri in a village is like... Um, in fact, Keshav, you were also there in that village for one of our shoots. The bakri, in a, bakri at home is like money in the bank because just, you can just go to the market and sell the bakri and get your cash. So the, the, those I, I could see those dynamics. And the other thing is, for example, a question of employment. Now, it's not that we have given a lot of money every month. It is, uh, it, it is uh, the only thing is it was regular. The moment it is regular, I can borrow from Keshav and I say, Keshav, I'll give you next month. You know that I can give you because I'm getting this money every month. So my, 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 I become bankable or I become, my credit worthiness goes up, you know? Uh, so then what I do is that instead of borrowing from one very exploitative money lender, people shifted slightly to borrowing from neighbors because the liquidity in the village was uh, known to everybody that is one the other thing that the small little choices other choices they made was like from on the regard regard to employment you can have a very exploitative employer and a relatively less exploitative employer i mean all employment is exploitation it's only a matter of degree <laughs> <laughs> so in that you you feel you see that people are slightly shifting from one employer to another. So those small shifts, when you add up, you know, they, they suddenly you can see a perceptible change in somebody's uh, way of life or what you call the working conditions or living conditions. Those small little things, you know, they, we saw that those small incremental changes because of this continuous cash flow. So a family is given, an individual is given 300 rupees in those days, like nearly 10 years ago. Um, so you have six people in a tribal village, you have six uh, per family. So they don't individually spend their money, they pool the money, the family pools the money. So you already have 1800 rupees per month. You put together three months uh, thing before the uh, sowing season comes, you have uh, a little more than that, you know, you have 5,000 plus. So you can buy your seed, you can buy your fertilizer, you can buy things like that. So that's how uh, cumulatively 
anyway so those are the things that i personally saw because we just went and sat in the villages because i was but uh, personally in charge personally doing the ethnography the stories of what is happening within each family what are the family dynamics so that that's uh, that was completely it was a kind of a life changing moment for me in my professional life so that's what we saw in the pilot study and that was in fact today everybody talks about the pilot study that was one of the largest uh, and a fully universal uh, basic income model so what about globally in other parts because uh, one question that comes to my mind is um, now 300 rupees per individual in a village in a tribal village in mp um, is one thing but that would have to change with a different demographic with a different per capita income and so on right yeah uh, so um, have there been studies abroad in more prosperous regions in urban areas for example and so on where it's been universal and uh, you know you have results from there well uh, see there have been uh, many pilots you know i don't i don't say that there is, this is as a policy this has been implemented anywhere in the world like in alaska they had this uh, alaska permanent fund from where every alaskan gets an annual check uh, irrespective of whether you're rich or poor that was a one particular that's money from the oil you know so they put this money into a permanent fund and that kind of gets accumulated and all that now that's an annual check but uh, apart when finland was government itself initiated a pilot project uh, but that was just a handful of uh, unemployed people so instead of giving unemployment allowance with uh, 86 conditions and 300 inspectors watching over you whether you are really living alone or you are living with someone or you are really poor or oh, blah 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 uh, so they said that instead of all that can we cut uh, the administrative cost and can we really give unconditionally and see how it works will people blah, blah. that was a pilot in finland uh, so uh, similarly um, in namibia even before the seva mp pilot namibia they had a pilot in namibian village again now there's an organization called give directly in the us they are trying out a massive project in kenya for 12 years they are giving it for 12 years and see what is it what they wanted to disrupt the regular development kind of work and uh, try to see um, try to see if giving directly actually helps so the logic was like and you know, they are basically coming from the corporate world and there are two people uh, one is a professor in university and the other is a corporate guy so they said that 300 billion dollars go every year go out of us every year both as official aid and also by uh, individual uh, giving so they said that you know what they call there is no there's no bank for the dollar you don't get the bank for the dollar what the do if you put in a dollar you spend 60% or 70% of transmission losses not transmission losses but administrative costs and all yeah. that so they said that all this is bullshit cut that bullshit and give money directly to people and let's see so there is an mit there is a 
Yeah, of course, all of us know Abhijit Banerjee, who got the Nobel Prize this year. Uh, Abhijit has been um, behind the lab uh, in poverty. Um, JPAL, it's called JPAL, Jamal something, um, uh, Poverty Action Lab. So they are specializing in the random control trial methodology. So Abhijit is, uh, I mean, JPAL is actually doing the evaluation of this 12 year uh, long project in Kenya. And, um, and of course in India we had Seva thing, but in US a couple of mayors, in fact now a couple of mayors actually formed a coalition for basic income, uh, mayor coalition for basic income. So there's a place called Stockton and the Stockton mayor, uh, he introduced um, last year a pilot project in, um, in Stockton city. So like that, you have many such uh, experiments all over the world. And uh, I think uh, those, uh, the, all those, for example, Finland experiment is telling us that uh, it doesn't, didn't, it, people's mental health has improved. People are much happier. But then the kind of labor market um, changes that government intended, they did not happen. It's not that people are sitting at home and enjoying, but the point is that this kind of giving for one year a basic income has really improved the quality of their life and unconditionally. I'm sure you must have heard your friends in Europe talking about a poverty trap, you know, uh, you, you get trapped into that and if you get out of it, you may lose all the benefits and you don't want to take up a job because the moment you take up a job, what you are going to get, it will be less than this. So why should I? So those kind of, they're all the poverty traps and all that. So anyway, um, that's the mixed, um, uh, mixed, it was not a failure. People write media immediately started writing oh it's a failure because people were just happy but not uh, productive in the in the economy but that's not the case that's not the case and um, it is a it is uh, it is a pilot project done by government so you can see you can imagine when you do research knowing very well that this is government doing research the responses to questionnaires you can imagine it may not, they may not be ideal answers. They may be very answers which uh, will protect their um, basics and all that. Oh, so globally, for example, you take South Korea. In South Korea, there is one other mayor uh, who said, I'm going to give uh, an unconditional basic income to youth starting from 18 to 21, because that is a very crucial uh, transition time for young people and South Korea has um, a very 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 cruel education system competition and all that so he wanted to ease that out ease their um, costs so something like that now I think he became the same mayor became subsequently the governor of one big province and he again introduced something he calls uh, but he introduced cash but in, in terms of a smart card where he wants to promote the small and medium sector. So, so you have this wide variety of, so the problem is it's a global idea, but the dilemmas and the responses are all local. So each country, each society is coming out with its own 
uh, way at its own definition of what should be given unconditionally. Like, for example, if you take a philosopher like Philip Vampari or even Guy Standing, um, who are the founders of BN and also the leading scholars uh, of uh, basic income, they say that basic income is not about poverty. It's not about poverty elevation. But in India, basic income is stitched into the poverty discourse, poverty discussion. Because poverty is the elephant sitting in the drawing room. You can't uh, talk about um, uh, basic income without talking about poverty. So in India, it's about this. In somewhere else, it's about something else. In Europe, it's more about freedom. I don't want to be forced to be doing X job. I should have choice. I should have freedom not to do it. I should do something else. Things like that. So globally, there are lots and lots of experiments, particularly now um last 10 years i think a lot of excitement a lot of interest and um, for example UNDP has come out with a, a document and world bank has come out with a new document and then um ilo has been very conventional they have not really come on board on this topic but un system has by and large now example bn as bn we are actually having conversation with UNDP to see how we can work together so, I mean, there's a lot of excitement all over the world uh, about basic income and how do we understand basic income and how do we apply. Now, for example, take COVID, you know, in COVID times, um, Trump, Trump gave a check of $1,200 to people uh, of a particular, it's targeted, people who earn less than $100,000 per annum are the people who will get that. Or, for example, Brazil, if you take Brazil, uh, Bolsonaro, 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 Bolsonaro president, Bolsonaro, huh? uh, who's now self-isolating because he's, uh, he, uh, he was really against uh, something like this, um, basic income, even also about Bolsa Familia was another program um, like basic income in Brazil. Now he announced um, uh, a package uh, which goes to like about 60 million people, which is more than one fourth uh, population of Brazil. And indirectly, it goes to another 50 million people. So nearly half the population is covered in the new scheme, what he calls, um, I think it's called, they wanted to call it Corona voucher, but uh, they said, that's not a good way. They call it worker allowance, I think, worker emergency allowance or something. Now, that's, they have allocated it for three months, which is good money, 600 rials. 600 rials is like $150 or $120 or something, which uh, by Brazilian standards itself is like minimum wage, good, uh, a little more than half minimum wage and all that. So uh, three months and uh, maybe it could be for six months. So, so you can see that globally so many things are happening but the, really the point is the unconditionality is the central uh, core of it. So we can say we can take our, um, uh, what you call gold testing, what do you call that? So we can say that, you know, let us go and see, is this really 100% uh, basic income or is this is impure or 24 carat or 15 carat and all that. 
but uh, you can actually analyze taking these five characteristics and say that to what extent it fulfills the idea ideal basic income so you have a rich variety of globally so coming back to india <clears throat> which is i mean a highly subsidized population in a sense where you have hazard schemes and the red tape and all that comes with it as you mentioned how do you look at it uh, as a concept within india and how is the system uh, going to gear up to kind of reach that goal and i'm sure you are in touch with a lot of people in the system so how do they see this idea well see in india um i think that 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 can be a separate uh, session in itself because there is so much to say about india and we are actually i am personally so invested into analyzing in india they broadly looking at it if you take our welfare thinking okay uh, so I, i i say that both in design and in delivery both are problematic have been problematic in india right from the beginning okay now you you say the 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 problem the design is that we have always thought of subsidies providing subsidies food subsidy fuel subsidy and um, fertilizer subsidy oil subsidy you name it uh, and uh, i think we also have seen over the years that subsidies have not been a successful way of uh, either supporting the consumer um, citizen or from the point of view of efficiency also because there's always a, the problem of delivery we have not been able to uh, deliver also uh, now um, given a situation like this i think right from 2014 or 2015 you know that there has been a long discussion about the food security act and at that time there was a new thing came called dbt so what was happening for example let's take one government also said that you know we have to now uh, clean clean up the system in the sense like for example in the past we take for example the cooking gas uh, subsidy that we give now there was a time when uh, cooking gas um, what the government was doing was they used to ask the oil companies to reduce the price the selling price because people can't afford so much so you sell it at price y and the gap between x and y is what we will give you the government will give the company okay now that system uh they wanted to change because it was it had become very inefficient and then a lot of corruption and a lot of leakages and a lot of transmission losses and blah 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 and all that so they said that oil companies uh, by then i think a few private companies also had come into the picture now they said oil companies you do your business and you sell according to your price we are going to give the money to the consumer the end consumer okay so they told everybody that all of you open bank accounts all of you have aadhar cards we will link aadhar card and the bank account and we will give send you the money okay they gave a deadline they gave a deadline gave a deadline and all that and then finally they said after this no and then they also put a cap on how many cylinders you can have otherwise earlier it was uh, unlimited okay mm-hmm. now by doing that 
In fact, it was a very good thing they did. They, they say each year they save something like 12,000 crores. I mean, what used to go in transmission losses instead of going into the transmission losses, it has remained with the government. And I have, and, and after that, what the government, the prime minister came on, on this thing and he made an announcement that you give up. Mukesh Ambani, you, you can afford to buy your own cooking gas. You don't need a, a subsidy. I don't have to put this 300 rupees into your bank account. So I said Mukesh Ambani gave up, Amitabh Bachchan gave up. And then, so people started giving up. I believe nearly one crore people or I don't more more people yeah. just gave up. So I saw, I see that as really cleaning up system because you shouldn't waste money. We, we have limited resources and, uh, and we can't afford to waste it. Okay. Now, uh, a similar thing uh, was also about the food. Food Corporation of India is this huge monster which has the responsibility to procure wheat and then do the public distribution system. Um, so anyway, let me come back to stick to the cooking gas. In cooking gas, government said that this is really, really a good system. You know, if it, so I have never seen, I've been following this very, very closely since 2012, I think 2012 or even before the Congress government itself started this whole thing. I have not heard anyone complain that I did not get my money which means the system worked, which means the system worked. And also they have expanded by doing Ujwala pro program, which, which they started giving gas to uh, the really vulnerable sections and all that. So now this being a very good ex experience for the government, government is looking at it from the point of view of governance and efficiency, administrative efficiency and perfect. We should, that is the, that is the job of a government. They should be doing it. So they said, let's, shall we do this with rice, wheat, food subsidy as well? But I think the whole thing got so polarized, right to work people, right to food people thought cash wallas are the enemies. And then uh, it got so polarized. I think National Food Security Act got actually enacted. And uh, many states have tried to clean up the system, but it is such a big mess, such a big mess that it has not been as successful as the cooking gas uh, reform that they have done. So um, in India, it, so it, one thing is that we are coming from a trade union because the pilot was done by a women's trade union. They are coming from the problems that their members were facing. Their members are like, you know, extremely rural tribal workers and agricultural workers, street vendors in the city and all that. The problem, the, the, the logic of the union was that the government allocations are increasing. Like NREGA allocations have increased, you know, from somewhere they have gone up to 45,000 crores. And um, even the PDS allocations have increased you know, 130 lakh, 1 lakh 30,000 crores. And if you add the state, um, what the states are providing, you know, the, typically what happens is that central government gives the grains to the state governments at a price of something like eight rupees or nine rupees, nine rupees 
per kilo and the state governments all state governments are doing it they put some 8 rupees subsidy and 1 rupee people get 1 rupee ka uh, rice and 1 rupee ka wheat okay now um, um, the, 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 the thing is that they try to um, i don't know i i lost the thread uh, so it, yeah the government from the government point of view uh, no, sorry the, i was at the union's point of from the union point of view they said that our people are not getting the delivery of the allocated funds forget about new funds what is already there as a legal right they are getting wheat in madhya pradesh for instance they are getting wheat which is of a very poor quality um, quantity 5 kilo 4 kilo when you have to clean up and then that itself is very rotten so those questions have always been there and madhya pradesh is a wheat growing uh, state and most probably you may be sending i think the local procurement also a new reform but earlier they were procuring from punjab and giving it to madhya pradesh people can you believe that that kind of ridiculous things were happening in the system for a variety of reasons for a variety of reasons so the union said that you know instead of doing this kind of jamila you know our people our organizers are spending half their time to get what what is already a right so why should they be doing that they should be doing something else the organizers of the union so you said cash may be a good idea so give them cash it's easier these days you have mobile money you have bank accounts and you have easy it's easier to give so these are a wide then whereas the government is looking at it for example in 2017 economic survey which government submits to the parliament in at the time of budget one day before the budget had a full chapter on universal basic income at that time chief economic advisor arvind subramanian was very keen on um, universal basic income from the point of view of the ministry of finance economy this is one way of cleaning up the system you know he that's what that what was his uh, and arvind has been an academic and he has been writing uh, right from 2008 about cash transfers and the the uh, why cash transfers are a better way of dealing with the issue rather than this kind of a subsidy subsidy uh, uh, a kind of uh, approach to you know uh, reducing poverty now so that was the effort coming from them and from us the effort was about delivery system and then the third angle is about social justice you know philosophically looking at it we we as advocates we talk about basic income as a way of bringing about equity in the society um, so in india we have had all we are having all these uh, kinds of discussions and i think we have a very rich discussion in india about basic income uh, because uh, you can't label universal basic income idea as either left or as right it falls outside this binary isme left wale bhi isko gaali dete hain right wale bhi gaali dete hain left wale bhi prem karte hain right wale bhi prem karte hain so your <laughs> i can go into why they are opposing what are the criticisms and all that i can go into that but i think i've spoken for a long time maybe you want to ask something no i'd like you to go into the criticisms actually because as you said there's a philosophical point there 
and a lot of people would also say that uh if you start there'll be complacency in a society if you just start handing out money and so on you know uh so i'd like you to speak actually about some of the criticisms and how that's to be dealt yeah. with also a matter of how feasible is this universally you know and how that will be juxtaposed against say the tax net or things like that you know the how the resources are to be procured and how feasible it is to enact it universally yeah see this i'll just quickly run through these issues for example universal the idea of universal is a is an issue not a problem is an issue in every country okay uh, people have always been doing very targeted stuff and not universal but way back if you remember uh, i don't know you won't remember i remember when i was a child our pds system was universal everybody had it everybody had a right uh, even the rich or the poor but subsequently it became targeted anyway the reason why as a concept as a pure concept why we say universal is that basic income should not be seen as a welfare measure it should be seen as as an automatic entitlement because you are born in this land it's like a voting right you have you know there is no uh, like you know for rich people there is no fast track everybody stands in the same queue and votes and comes back you feel when you do that you are actually um, uh, occupying the position of a citizen the citizenship rather than as a citizen you are standing there rather than as a poor person or as a disabled person or as a special category person or something else so it is the it is the, the um, when i say citizen please understand it as a normal resident rather than citizen citizen you know i'm i don't i don't want to get into that uh, aspect now um, so there is a in a society there should be a sense of solidarity between classes between castes and between different social groups you know so it this universal basic income should be something that binds people rather than divides people so it is the solidarity aspect is a very important uh, idea that uh, as a citizen you should be entitled that's all period not as any particular category you know so that is one now um well now when it comes to the implementation and the discussion and also so the, the ideal answer by an econ by economists who support basic income is that you give universally you claw it back from the rich through taxation okay now which means that administratively also it is simpler just to give everybody and take it back from the rich fine if you don't do that if you say i'm going to tax rich and use that money for the poor you're actually dividing the the, the the society you know that which should not be the case it should not be seen like that everybody should be entitled and people should go forgo if you don't they don't that's the idea now i would personally recommend in a situation like normally what happens is when there is money for wealth so called welfare hello hello ha ha ya please go on frozen yeah when um um normal social spending i can't hear you okay there's a little uh, one sec i'm just pausing the recording yeah okay we're back <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, I was talking about uh, the why universal. That's one thing. Now, I I personally feel that when there is social spending, what you do is that you try to identify people who should be included in the net, who should be the beneficiaries. Okay, they can be forty percent of the population, or sixty percent of the population, or eighty percent of the population. Now, so. When things go wrong, there are two types of errors that happen. The inclusion errors and exclusion errors. Now, what is an inclusion error? If I, if some money is meant for a certain category of people and people who are not supposed to be getting, if they are coming inside the tent and enjoying that, that is an inclusion error. We say type A error. And exclusion error is one that this fellow should be getting it, but he's not getting it. So what happens with our PDS system, public distribution system, ration cards, and all other things that we have both inclusion errors and then exclusion errors. If you go to the villages in Bundelkhand or anywhere, uh, you can see all the Sarpanch and previous Sarpanch and all these fellows will be getting their uh, rations. Now you, that is a that is typically an inclusion error, and many of the people we go in interview they said that we we are not getting ration because वो पर्ची मेरा तो वहाँ हवा में उड़ गया था लेकिन उसके बाद दूसरा बनवाया नहीं है so that's an exclusion error. Now what what I would suggest is instead of going in search when a country which where sixty percent of the population needs support is vulnerable. instead of going in search of who should be benefited go in search of who should not be getting this support so create an exclusion criteria and give everybody what is that exclusion criteria create a disincentive which means that people with four wheeler who own four wheels who own a two wheeler maybe two wheeler is too bad a four wheeler okay people who are income tax payers they need not get this 1000 rupees at those days we gave 300 rupees but now we are advocating now 1000 rupees at least 1000 rupees and even what uh, rahul gandhi uh, announced was also that kind of something like that 6000 per family per month so now we are actually now uh, thinking of giving 2000 per person for this uh, covid uh, time For a period of six months and all that, so we are doing different kinds of small little experiments from INB. Now, so I say that you find that exclusion criteria, exclude people, make this create a disincentive uh, for receiving basic income. And I said that if you take basic income, then you can't get this tax exemption or this uh, tax subsidy or something else. You can't apply for a loan. Some things like that. It's possible. I mean. That, that, the income tax department knows all these things they are experts in that so if you do that then it much it's much much simpler and easier by default everybody gets it and actually all the the the, the amount of money you will save through trans, avoiding transmission losses and in this country you can imagine it is so easy at the delivery end whether it is uh, giving uh, an umbrella or a bicycle to students or a laptops to students or in our country our politicians love to give goods and not cash 
क्योंकि गुड्स में से थोड़ा सा यू कैन बाइट टेक वन योर ओन बाइट फ्रॉम इट सो वी कैन अवॉइड ऑल दैट वी कैन अवॉइड अ लॉट ऑफ वेस्टेज ऑफ नेशनल वेल्थ okay so i would say that that would be a way of approaching it okay now cash if you are saying that it's not easy to cash also may have a problems of reaching people we are now doing an experiment which almost actually we are through with it uh, we are we have signed uh, an mou with uh, ipppb india post payments bank which is as good as any other bank now the, the problem with jandhan accounts which was a big uh, thing was that 40% 30% at any given point of time would be dormant which means that the accounts are not being used by people the accounts are not uh, you know as a result what happens is that they go down and the charges apply or it has to be a special category of uh, uh, zero balance accounts so to revive an account again you have to put some money so this poor fellow will get some 300 or 500 rupees from something and then the bank says that uh, you already owe us 358 rupees and he is given 100 rupees see for banks for commercial banks be it public sector or private sector commercial banks an ordinary poor man is not a natural customer they have not designed themselves to cater to this that's why they say he or she is unbankable okay now what we what now we are experimenting and suggesting to the government is that let's do this jandhan in the post offices post office was has been designed for the poor that's why post office mein small savings rehte hain 100 rupees bhi dal sakte hain aur 100 rupees bhi le sakte hain when did we go and put 100 rupees in uh, punjab national bank tell me good we didn't put <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we are strongly going to advocate the delivery issue you can solve it only through the post offices the last mile only post offices have and post offices it's all digital now they have really really become or uh, they are on top of uh, the technological thing we are now working very closely with them in 6 months or so we are going to come out with a report of what our experience has been so the i don't know i think we have just strayed everywhere but this design and indian situation in in the indian situation uh, you were asking me about what are the objections is it yeah what are the criticisms is... i mean there are many criticisms that i have heard uh, including yeah. uh, you know um, people behavioral patterns being affected and they becoming complacent if they start receiving money for nothing um you know that yeah. kind of argument so how would you uh, counter that you know kind of uh, put that see there is a cultural knee jerk reaction uh, i think we have to go a little deeper into this industrial ethic that we have inherited uh, through this industrial civilization where um, Uh, i think where um, you should not get anything without working you know only work work uh, no pay no work no pay these were all the things we have inherited of the 19th century and 20th century uh, industrial work ethic uh, so we have a cultural knee jerk reaction to saying that how can you get anything free now we are we are uh, we have a very um, what you call shall i shall i put it this way um 
we have um, uh, a split uh, we have uh, schizophrenia about this now take private inheritance for example in our society we take it as natural uh, or the other kind of inheritance is a public inheritance okay now for example if you take natural resources or natural wealth and all that uh, actually government is not the owner it's the people who own natural resources national wealth is owned by people they are the owners and government at best is a trustee or a custodian of that wealth so the owner has a right to ask the custodian about how are you managing my wealth and uh, the owner is also entitled to certain things from this wealth okay now given that this which is what i would call public inheritance we have inherited something so basic income should come as a public inheritance of the entire population now do you take in the okay this is one one area those are the many questions there many answers can be given to that now this side you come to private inheritance now i inherit property from my father as natural we think it's as natural as the sun rises in on one direction okay but it's also an arrangement we have created okay now my father when he was giving me money he never made me work he gave me unconditionally okay now i have not become a drunkard so the children of all rich people should be drunkards then if you give money so why are we believing in one thing in one domain and completely disbelieving that in another domain so i mean let's examine that so if we examine that then we realize that when you give something unconditionally to everybody all citizens i don't think they will become drunkards our study has shown us in fact the one of the the tribal tribal leader the the head of the tribal village he we brought him to the to delhi for our national conference after the study was over to also speak to people and what he felt what his experience was so he said sir before this project started we had five drunkards in the village after your project we have five drunkards in the village no this has not created new drunkards i mean every village will have its quota of drunkards i mean <laughs> okay so that uh, is bound to be there in every society and every uh, this thing so i think the community has a way of coping with them and blah 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 all that and let's not go into that now the point is that uh, it is it only it only um demonstrates it only shows what our prejudices are about other classes it doesn't say anything more to me you know uh, so it's like you know parents feeling about children adolescent children that parent feels that i have complete control over my emotions whereas this young fellow he doesn't have control over his emotions he's going to so money being volatile i won't give him money because he's going to go and buy cigarettes or booze or things like that you know so it's the same thing we feel about the poor the poor have no responsibility no discipline 
they have no cleanliness no discipline they are dirty they are irresponsible they are drunkards they beat their wives so we have a huge folklore that middle class has created about the other classes so the other othering of that happens now the thing is that we have not tried giving money unconditionally ever we have been giving in a particular fashion and that has been very inefficient i would say let's do it ek baar there was a big conference of uh, uh, all school headmasters and school management people in delhi kam sam kam about 100 pe 100 log the wahan pe then this solo may say one fellow said that uh, there the whole discussion was about the government regulation of school private school managements so the head the president of that association was giving speech he said pichle 50 saal humne galti kiya hai bahut bada galti kiya hai theek hai lekin aap keh rahe hain hum jo hum jo what the whatever we are proposing to you you are saying it is a mistake we will not implement you have done 50 years for 5 years you do our mistakes <laughs> let us try them you have not tried our proposals ever so the whole point is that we are stuck with one kind of prejudices one one design so we need to open that now if we want to move towards a better world what we uh, say that whole idea is that we should create a better world for everybody where everybody is included so you can't it's like you can't go to a doctor or a priest and say um um i want to live i want to go to heaven to the, to the priest you go and tell i want to go to heaven so you tell me whatever your suggestion but one on one condition that don't ask me to change my lifestyle i will not change anything so the priest or the doctor will just take you and throw you out isn't it so the point is that we are at a moment i think globally we are in a crisis variety of crisis we are at a moment we need to open all our um, structures and reexamine them review them and bring about changes if we want that better world we can't just continue with the way we have been doing things and expect a miracle to happen see what politicians promise i don't want to go into that but as a ordinary citizens that is my wish that you know we need to nothing should be wasted in a country like ours let it be efficiently given to whomever it is meant to be given so the, those are the, those are the approaches so these criticisms are all then the second criticism is also about we can't afford it now that is where uh, for example you go to the, go in goa foundation in goa there is an organization called goa foundation they have done in fact all this public inheritance and this natural resources thing they have done a lot of work on mines in fact if you take the economic survey of 2017 there is also another chapter on natural resources now how do we look at it and even their movement and their inputs they have gone up to the supreme court and they were the ones who got this order from supreme court where supreme court has written that people are the owners of natural resources oh and uh, state or government is a custodian so they kind of minutely went into the way accounting is done vis-a-vis mines 
how the mining contracts are given and how the money revenue is seen and what is the revenue that comes and they have calculated and they've done fantastic calculations and all that. So, I mean, that's a very interesting reading if you read what they have, they have all written uh, this narrative in EPW. Now they, they say that the revenue that comes from the mines was seen as a windfall revenue, which means that you have not you have not seen it as a proper revenue rather than you see it as a windfall revenue. So there is, there are many questions there in, internally one has to raise and see, stop this wastage. This is really, in my view, this is really a criminal, uh, to waste your national, national wealth is really, really criminal. That's the biggest crime uh, in, 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 in our country. Now, they are also talking about like if natural resources are there, they belong to the next generation. You know, you should preserve it rather than blow it up. So don't sell the uh, what is it called family jewelry at one go. Don't sell. Keep it for the future generations. In fact, they have a T-shirt called the future we need. So these are all the questions we need to raise. OK, so the argument called it is not feasible is a very poor argument. If you take Pranab Bardhan, Pranab Bardhan is a very well-known economist. Pranab Bardhan actually gives, lays out various places where you can get the money from. Non-merit subsidies are there and all kinds of things are there. He actually very succinctly puts where the money is. What we ta don't tax much at all and what we overtax, all those questions we have to raise and we have to ensure that, you know, we also, whatever is allocated is also spent um, well. So if we do that math, I think it is possible, uh, it is possible that we, we can afford it. So non-affordability is a very weak argument and uh, people will drink it away is a very, it's a cultural knee-jerk reaction. It is not a very well examined uh, criticism and the left criticism of this uh, idea uh, has been that the state now neoliberal 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 and all that the state is going to wash its hands off and say that I'm giving you money and I'm not going to give you anything else. Okay, now the so so this is a bad idea. And they'll give money and after that. Uh, so because it's also the whole argument is also couched in this conspiracy uh, theory that they'll give the money wash their hands off they will not uh, they will not um, uh, index it to inflation so this fellow will keep getting these 300 rupees for lifetime by then he can only buy a matchbox with 300 rupees so they will run away okay i don't think i don't think the relationship between state and citizen is so um, I don't, I don't see it like that. I think the relationship has its ups and downs and there is a, there is a conversation happening. If direct conversation is not happening, it happens through media or judiciary or um, civil society. So all kinds of conversations are possible. So washing this hands off and running away is not something, uh, that's the left argument basically. That you continue whatever is there. No, 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 don't change, don't change. So it's one kind of left conservatism. Uh, but I think that has not had much purchase. Um, and uh, to say that this is a Trojan horse is a 
basically that is the criticism coming from the from the left but uh, the in fact the chapter written on universal basic income in the economic survey by arvind subramanyam it was called a conversation with mahatma universal basic income uh, a conversation with mahatma would mahatma gandhi have agreed to this idea he would have agreed he wouldn't have agreed both there are both why he would have agreed he would have agreed because in his one of his writings he said that i will give you a talisman to the police to, to the policy makers that look at the last man's face and then decide all your policies that is the litmus test i'm giving you okay in that sense he would have been in favor of something like this but then he was also a strong um, believer of the work ethic he would have said that no 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 work no pay don't give money people to people without they working for it so i think he builds his arguments around uh, the philosophical part of that around those things so um, we have all this we have cultural uh, objections we have economic objections and we have political objections from the left and we have all kinds of uh, objections to it but then the evidence that is coming out is overwhelming uh, so that let me stop there okay lovely so um one thing i wanted you to address was since you mentioned um, that this is given to the individual and not the family unit and also yeah. um, since you now mentioned the no work no pay thing i wanted you to yeah. address the the whole um, phenomenon of unpaid labor and the gender gap and how that's you know targeted through this scheme and how that gap can be reduced through giving agency to the individual rather than the family unit see i was saying that we have a schizophrenic mind you know we say no work no pay on the one hand one on the one hand we say no work no pay but all the care work that is given to families in the name of family role prescribed cultural role as a woman you have to do this as a woman you have to cook you have to do x y z the rest you know now all that is taken as a as natural as the sunshine somebody cooks in a hotel he gets paid this woman cooks at home nobody talks about it so is in a sense we we steal a large chunk of labor in our society we steal we are a patriarchal society in the name of patriarchy we have prescribed roles to people so we steal labor we we it's a theft now if we open that theft and say let us not do this thievery okay one answer is that you equally share work don't prescribe that x work kapde to wo hi dhoegi if you go to rural areas you know how it is talked about if you take a broom and start sweeping uh, people will laugh at you a man will never do that so those things are not just cultural lovely exotic things they are the ways in which we have actually discriminate against women so that's a now here when the reason why we say individual and not household is to break that uh, loop is to break that circuit disrupt that and say that woman will have her own account and she will get her own money and children's money also will go to the woman that's what uh, in our experiment we did that and we also continue to do the same not that we mistrust man but the point is not that 
It's not about mistrusting him. It's mistrusting patriarchy, which is beyond that individ poor individual. Okay, he may be not be actually patriarchal. That particular ex uh, uh, prem bhai. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so uh, basic income, in a certain way, addresses that structural inequities, and uh, um, and ensures that he and she are equally entitled. See, we say that everybody has equal right. That is one. It is one thing to say that it's a political right, but where is it culturally uh, accepted and internalized and all that? Okay, Keshav, when he deals with the women, he may be treating them as other human beings and as a, you're an enlightened man. But uh, every every man should become enlightened. That is when we will the shell of patriarchy will be removed. So the point is that uh, in a major way, this addresses the inequities. And uh, it, 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 it doesn't go through, we have to now evolve into a gender equal society. So it will equally take another thousand years. All that is bullshit. The point is that we now we have an opportunity there are also leaps that we take. Slavery was all abolished from one day to another through my intervention. Okay, so we have to do these things. We have to gender empowerment and all that. NGOs go and do trainings and all that. Ki tumare hak hai, tumare hak hai, ye behna, wo behna. All that is fine, but the material conditions of those women individually have to be improved. It made a lot of difference we saw in our villages with our own eyes. It makes a lot of difference when women uh, have money, control over their own money. So uh, before we wrap this up, one thing that's been bothering all of us, the Corona crisis and um, how you see that, I'd like to know how you see that because um, Entire industries have collapsed. Um, in the industry I work for, there's no light to be seen in the near future. So how do you see uh, basic income in that context? And when we face such a crisis, it really pinches us. So then we start thinking about these things firsthand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the, there are two, three things, actually. This COVID crisis, in the, more than as a health, so there are two aspects to COVID, you know, one is the health crisis. And the other is the lockdown-related crisis, economic crisis. So I think across the board, everything is affected. It's um, but then what the society, what the COVID has has come and done and shown us is, it has actually cut open the entrails of our society and has shown us how unequal, not just unequal, I would say how vulnerable certain sections are. Now, COVID comes and rap, gives a wrap to all, sec all classes. But some classes have the cushion and some classes can sit and work at home and some classes can um, manage and survive. But then there are classes which are barely surviving, like, for example, migrant workers. I mean, we have seen visuals of migrant workers walking back home and uh, because not because they just wanted to go home. Because they, 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 they had to pay a rent and they didn't have 
दे हैड टू बाई फूड एंड वेजेस टू बाई फूड सो बेसड की यहाँ पे मैं भूखा मर जाऊंगा घर जाके मरूंगा ठीक है तो इट हेज कम एंड ड्रामेटिकली डेमोन्स्ट्रेट शोन दलनरेबिलिटीज ऑफ आवर सोसाइटी एंड हाउ हाउ वलनरेबल आर सर्टन सेक्शन आर नाउ it has to be addressed at various levels there's no doubt about it okay one of the things is supply chains are completely dis- disrupted broken now there is also what abhijit banerjee also has been talking about or others other economists are talking about it there's a severe demand shock so when government gives money to msmes and or waives taxes to them or gives cash to them uh the point is unless you give cash to people also there won't be a demand stimulus so you, first of all you so the major argument today we are making and many other uh, economists are making is that you should put cash in the pockets of people for 3 months or 6 months and at this stage people will not save the money they will go and buy which means that they will it will keep certain uh, industries alive certain production systems going okay so uh, it is uh, what it has done it is not it, it is nothing new that we are seeing about the structure of our society but it has brought an urgency it's an it has brought an urgency uh, it's like a system on steroids everything whatever was happening it was happening in a very unseen way uh, in an invisible way but now everything is out in the open and it's like you know have to also address it at that pace otherwise you know you say the economy is going to shrink by this percentage that percentage and then um, modi or modi in the assessment or ranking in modi's ranking we are falling 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 and some other ranking we are falling 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 i mean global economy is going to shrink and this uh, geeta gopinath imf people world bank people you can see all the numbers how bad the situation is going to be for the next uh, two or three years so since we have been talking particularly about the vulnerable sections of our society we are saying that please do this please give an emergency basic income for a period of 6 months we have appealed to ministry of finance we have appealed to the prime minister we have written letters we have written in the newspapers and all that we have been doing uh, about the vulnerable sections but equally i would say that uh, the small industries the shops have collapsed many people have vacated we already see that toilet boards are everywhere because you can't pay a rent boutique hai कहा से रेंट पे करोगे योर वर्कर्स यू कांट पे योर रेंट्स यू कांट पे सो थिंग्स आर कोलैप्सिंग इन अ वेरी बैड वे सो बट आवर द पैकेज दैट हैज बीन अनाउंस्ड हैज नॉट इंस्पायर्ड कॉन्फिडेंस इन डिफरेंट सेक्शंस ऑफ द सोसाइटी आवर पैकेज हैज बीन अ रीहैशिंग ऑफ द एग्जिस्टिंग स्पेंडिंग देयर हैज बीन नो न्यू स्पेंडिंग in fact some economists like raghuram rajan or abhijit banerjee or guy standings they are actually saying like look us has gone into like spending about this package is about 10% of the gdp 
our thing i think is about one percent of the gdp or something like that i'm not an economist so the point is that we need to look into the different aspects of the economy and address it in a very prudent way that that's what we have not succeeded in that yet hopefully i think we will see more things happen because from our end we have given all our recommendations and uh, it's up to the government what it has to do the whole point is also in india there is central government there is a state government so there is always who should do what and uh, will they do this or will these people do this and there is this competition and conflict between them one up mainstream between there are also different parties so in other words it's a it's a boiling pot so what right more situation no yeah uh, yeah but um, yeah anyway remains to be seen but uh, yeah we have to wait and see what's going to happen and uh, we have to uh, we have to do something very seriously to protect the you know both from corona and also from hunger and starvation we don't know what's going to happen i think situation in places like jharkhand and bengal the eastern part is really really bad with lot of migrant workers uh, going back and then this is uh, this is something unprecedented but anyway yeah um, to end this um, i'd like you to suggest a couple of books or films or some literature that the lay person can uh, you know refer to and get more knowledge about universal basic income and these ideas sure uh, i can i can mail it to you and maybe you can um, tag it along with the yeah uh, that will be fantastic i can add it into the description um because it will be exactly. nice to have that those references so people can you know go there and get sure. deeper understanding no? sure sure i'll do that i'll suggest some films i think these days who is reading it's all people are watching <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we can we have to appeal to people is that uh, please watch till the end guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do that it's a big thing yeah. it's a big thing <laughs> that is a revolution we will bring about you know when i see my when i watch a film with my daughter she keeps uh, forwarding no 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 this is boring this part is boring i know <laughs> so have the patience to see is watch something till the end to impose a universal basic viewership <laughs> i know i know <laughs> yeah yeah but, but anyway thanks a lot for doing this i'm sure people are going yeah, to love yeah. listening to this absolutely um, wonderful very, thanks like, kesha for having me it was really a pleasure oh, and good luck with likewise. your other uh, series uh, in the series thanks a lot lovely to host you uh, bye 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 bye